going to be. So this is, the, this is part of the message. Lewis, I'm done with the announcements. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so this morning we're actually going to have, you know, a, another reference to Jonah. I, honestly, I don't know when we'll be finished with Jonah, but that's up to God. Maybe this is it, maybe it's not. But the last message I gave on November 19th, I read through the book of Jonah, and then um, I spoke about the love of God. And you can probably tell from the theme of the music, you know, it's about the love of God again. And, you know, Sim opened up with Jeremiah 31.3, which speaks about God's everlasting love for us. And he did not know what I was going to speak about today. And I did not know how he was going to open because poor Sim, I let him know at like 8 o'clock this morning or maybe 7.30, asked him if he would open. So there's no way we could have compared notes. But um, yes, this is going to be another um, message on love. And um, I, I do want to say that um, love has been on my mind a lot lately. I've come to believe that we cannot hear too many messages about the love of God. Because we all don't quite get it. And the great thing is that God never gives up on us. He never gave up on Jonah. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about that. And for those of you who were here in 2009, the word for the year was, um, of course it was two words, pursue love. And so we had close to a year of messages on love, you know, however it fit into whatever the theme God was teaching. And um, the scripture that we used for that particular, that particular year, pursue love, is from 1 Corinthians 14.1. And I forget what translation it comes from. It might be the living translation. It may be, it's a kind of expanded translation. And so 1 Corinthians 14.1 reads this way. Pursue love. Go after a life of love as if your life depended on it because it does. I love that translation because it really tells you in no uncertain terms that a life of love is God's gift to us and our gift to others. And we need to live that life of love as if our life depended on it. Because our life really does depend on walking out the love of God. So, um, interestingly enough, yesterday at our morning prayer, the subject of love was uh, one of our prayer points. And um, Marge began with the lyrics from a Matt Marr song called Clean Heart, but I'll share them with you in a little bit. Um, because I want to share something else that was written in the prayer points for yesterday's prayer. And I don't know if any of you are aware of something called version. 2022. I'd never heard of it until yesterday. But um, this is, I just want to read you what was in our, um, our prayer points. A scripture about God's divine protection, provision, and comfort has become the most shared, bookmarked, 
and highlighted verse across the globe according to YouVersion, a top-rated Bible app. I, I have Bible Gateway app. That's the only Bible app I have. Um, it, okay, so it reads, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. This year, the app received 2 billion highlights, bookmarks, and notes across its platform, and Isaiah 41.10 was the top scripture shared in countries like Argentina, France, Germany, and the U.S. You know, I have to tell you that encouraged me so much because in my little finite mind, I'm thinking there's nobody across the globe who's looking up any Bible verses anywhere. And I guess the reason why I say that is because we look at the, the condition of the world and it's hard to believe that anybody looks up at any scriptures. So it really encouraged me. And, um, and I thought about that for a lot of the day that, you know, everything is not as it appears to be. We think that it's so dark out there, but there are other people searching. There are other people declaring the word of the Lord as we are. So then the next sentence is this. They have also seen spikes in Bible use in Cuba and in Ukraine. At the beginning of the war in Ukraine, U-version searches in the Ukrainian language nearly doubled compared to the previous month. So the month the war started, the people looking up scriptures doubled compared to the month before. Initially, trending such terms were words like war, fear, and anxiety. Scriptures related to those three words. As time passed and the war progressed, the top search term in Ukraine became love. As I pondered that, there could only be one answer. What would combat war, fear, and anxiety? There is only one thing that combats those three things and a myriad of things besides, and that's love. I truly believe if we press in to truly understand the love of God, we could transform our families, we could transform our workplaces, we could transform our neighborhood, wherever we go, we can bring the transformation of the love of God. But it's a choice. It's a choice. And I think sometimes we kind of just would like to be, I don't know, self-righteous in our view of others that we don't really want to love, that we don't really have any interest in. So I want to read you a little bit from this book that I've been reading, Tim Keller, The Prodigal Prophet, 
Jonah and the mystery of God's mercy. And I'm sorry about reading. I think the last couple of weeks I've read out of different books, but I can't paraphrase well enough the words that are written in this book. So I'm not even going to try. So something that, okay, we're going to talk about Jonah. So I'm going to ask you to remember, I'm not going to read it again, but I'm going to ask you to remember what we read last week about, two weeks ago about the, in the book of Jonah. So this is speaking about when he was in the belly of the fish. It says, Jonah seemingly had a conversion experience in the fish. He grasped God's grace and obeyed the command to preach God's word fearlessly. You agree, right? He predicted that the wrath of God was about to fall, but then nothing happened. He felt like a fool. The people of Nineveh deserved God's judgment. So why extend mercy to them? The wrath of God had earlier come upon Jonah himself in that lethal storm, and he had survived only because of the mercy of God. He too had deserved judgment, but he received mercy instead, and he was glad for it. Now, all that is forgotten. Jonah forgets this. Jonah is like the ungrateful servant who, having been forgiven, refuses to forgive others. And that parable can be found in Matthew 18, 21 to 35. And the next statement is this. Despite all this, God is patient with Jonah. So think about our lives. Think about how we speak. Think about how we act. We forget the mercy of God that we've been shown. And we are like the ungrateful servant who, have, who has been forgiven much, but yet will not forgive. As God was patient with Jonah, he is patient with us. Okay, this is a little longer section. And this is called the God who is generous. God's compassion is not something abstract, but it is concrete. It plays out not just in his attitude, but in his actions toward human beings. It is intriguing that he speaks of these violent, single, sinful pagans, the Ninevites, as people who do not know their right hand from their left. That's sort of at the end of the fourth chapter of Jonah. This is an exceedingly generous way to look at Nineveh. It's a figure of speech that means they are spiritually blind. They have lost their way, and they haven't the first clue as to the source of their problems or what to do about them. That describes me in my BC life. That's not a description of the Ninevites in my world. It's a description of me. Obviously, God's threat to destroy Nineveh shows that this blindness and ignorance is ultimately no excuse for the evil they have done, but it shows remarkable sympathy and understanding. 
God's evident generosity of spirit toward the city could not be a greater indictment of Jonah's ungenerous narrowness. But God. God continues to save Jonah, to be patient with him and work with him. Nevertheless, God does not just accept Jonah and leave him alone. He does not allow Jonah to remain undisturbed in his foolish, wrongful attitudes and behavior patterns. Aren't you grateful that God does not accept us and just leave us alone? That he doesn't allow us to remain undisturbed in our foolish, wrongful attitudes, words, thoughts, and behavior patterns? I am so grateful because I know I do this so often, but this is my goal. To be changed from glory to glory into the image of Messiah. And it's not one of those things that happens like that. It's a teaching thing from the heart of God who didn't let Jonah stay in his condition and doesn't want us to stay in our condition. Thank you, Lord, is right. Because I want to be changed from glory to glory into the image of Yeshua. Because I believe if this is our focus we will see the glory of the Lord in the land of the living. We will see his glory. And it will stop being a prayer, and it will start being a reality. But are we willing? Are we willing? Because sometimes it hurts. I'm going to read you the lyrics to Clean Heart. Woke up this morning, the whole world was yelling. When was this? 2017? Long before all the nonsense of the pandemic, burning down cities, division in our nation and division throughout the world. But this sounded like it was just written maybe in 2020, 2021. Woke up this morning, the whole world was yelling. I wish I was dreaming all that we've been through. My soul has been searching for some deeper meaning. I know there's a kindness that leads me to the truth. When everybody's looking for another fight, when trouble is on the rise, no end in sight. Oh, Savior, won't you come and make the wrong things right? Well, how do you suppose God does that? How do you suppose God makes the wrong things right? Yes, he uses us. He uses us. And the next words are these. Let me be the place you start. Give me a clean heart. What is forgiveness if it isn't given? He's asking himself that question. 
I've received forgiveness. What is it if I don't forgive others? It's useless. We're not living it out. The greatest gift the Lord has given to us is forgiveness through our Messiah, Yeshua. We just kind of like let it hang there instead of living it out. And the next line is this. We measure our mercy when mercy is a flood. We've been shown a flood of mercy, yet we measure these piddly portions of mercy that we're willing to show others. Give us a vision, your eyes of compassion. In all this division, may we be known by our love. You blessed those who cursed you. You loved those who hated you. On the cross, you died for me to bless those who curse you and love those who hate you. You said to love my enemies. May we be known by our love that we would remember that on the cross, Yeshua died for us so that we would do the same thing he did. Bless those who curse him. Bless those who curse us. Love those who hate Yeshua. Love those who hate us because he said to love our enemies. After I pondered the words to this song, I realized pretty evident come as no shock to you it's really not a song it's a prayer it's a prayer to God it's a prayer to the Lord of love to fill us with his love and remind us how much we have been forgiven over and over again because somehow we forget and we even though what is it what is forgiveness if it isn't given we've been forgiven so much but yet we hold back forgiveness of others What we measure our mercy when we've been given a flood of mercy. Strong words if you think about them. This is the way we should be living. But somehow we kind of miss it. The final words of 1 Corinthians 12 before 1 Corinthians 13 the love chapter, read this way. And this is the Passion Translation. Now I will show you a superior way to live that is beyond comparison. Now I will show you a superior way to live that is beyond comparison. In the footnote of the Passion Translation, the superior way is defined as a path corresponding to transcendence. In other words, this path of love is far above and beyond the ordinary kind of love. And we have access to that, not for ourselves, but to give away. Not to the people we select, but to the people God appoints us to love. 
And that is the unlovely. That is the people you are at odds with. We cannot be selective with our love. God's not selective with his love. We cannot be selected, selective with our love. I want to read you some scriptures on love that minister to me. The first one is from Jude, verses 20 and 21. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, unto eternal life. If we keep ourselves in the love of God, we will always be ready to love others and give his love away. We will be living in his mercy and looking for opportunities to let that flood of mercy flow out over people that we are at odds with. Romans 8, 37 through 39. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors and gain an overwhelming victory through him who loved us so much that he died for us. For I am convinced and continue to be convinced beyond any doubt that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present and threatening nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing is anything left out? Nothing will be able, nothing will be able to separate us from the unlimited love of God, which is in Messiah Yeshua, our Lord. There is nothing on this earth, under this earth, above this earth, that can separate us from the love of God. But we're not supposed to hang on to it for dear life. We are supposed to let it flow through us. I want to read you a story. It's a true story. I first shared it in December of 2021. And I think I might have shared it on December 25th. So there weren't a lot of people here. But somebody shared this story with me. It was their, his own personal experience and he was in a church and if you've heard it before just just listen again because every time I read it it impacts me even greater than the last however many times I've read it this person was lamenting that it had been a long time since he had seen a healing what a great thing to be lamenting over and I say that because he has seen healings. And he's lamenting over the fact that it's been a long time since he's seen one. So, his story goes like this. One day at the end of a church service, the Lord highlighted a man to me. He shared with me that this man needed prayer. I walked over to him and asked him if he needed prayer for anything. He said he needed prayer for strength. 
I prayed that the Lord would give him strength, and when I finished that prayer, I felt in my spirit that there was more than just strength he needed. I said to him, I feel that there is something else you need besides strength. He replied, my back hurts. My back hurts and I've been prayed for so many times now. I felt that he had given up hope. I laid hands on him and started to pray for his back. After 10 minutes, nothing happened. And then I remembered a specific word that the Lord had given me. If you don't love them, even the strangers, you will never see them healed. If you don't love them, even if they are strangers, you will never see them healed. I realized as I was praying for this man that I did not love him. Keep in mind it was a stranger. But he was upset with himself because he didn't love that stranger. I asked the Lord to give me his love for this man. And all of a sudden, it felt like an anvil of love fell from heaven and hit me. You know what an anvil is? It's a pretty heavy, I guess it's a piece of equipment. Iron, yeah, it is. I don't think I'd like to have an anvil. Maybe he hit me in the spirit, but certainly not literally. I started to weep over this man. And his pain, I started to weep over this man and his pain. I was weeping so hard that stuff started to pour out of my nose. I could not stop weeping. He could not stop weeping because the love of God was so powerful moving through him that he was undone. All of a sudden, this man fell to the ground and his bones started to crack and pop into place so loud that people nearby turned around to see where the noise was coming from. After a few minutes, the man jumped up and started running around the church yelling, I'm healed! I'm healed! And I sat in a pew and I continued to weep for another 10 to 20 minutes or so. This is a true example of how without love, I was just a clashing symbol. His words of healing were just dropping on the ground because there was no love behind it. So, as many times as I've read this, after reading this, after pondering some of the things about God's love that I had been working on in myself and pondering the scriptures, I realized that the person who walked out this story never inquired about the man's nationality. He never inquired about his position in life. 
He never inquired about his sexual orientation. And he didn't inquire about his political party or what he stood for or what he believed in. Instead, he recognized that the missing ingredient was God's love, no matter who or what this man was. That's what's missing. That's what's missing. That kind of love that sees past all these so-called barriers. Could you imagine if Yeshua never ate with sinners? Could you imagine if he never went over and touched the lepers? Could you imagine what would have happened if he had never touched dead bodies? Something just came to me. I know what would have happened. Love would have lied, laid bleeding in the grave. So what about us? So what about us? One of the lyrics to one of the worship songs that we sang was this. It's you alone, Lord Yeshua. It's you alone, Lord Yeshua, who can cause the coldest heart to find your love and everlasting peace. Do we not believe that the Lord of love can change a cold heart? You know, several years ago, I think it might have been in 2020, it was during the month of Elul. I had a long list of people that we were going to pray for specifically during that month. Many were political figures. There were other people on the list, media people. And I, I understood that it was an exercise in love. But it's still hard to walk out, even two years later, isn't it? God's saying, no. You've got to be done. You've got to be done with it. We have to be done with it. If we want to see revival in our families, it starts here with me. If we want to see revival... In our congregation, we need to all lay hold of this. If we want to see revival come, people come in the doors because they hear some ruckus going on in here, because the sick are being healed, the oppressed are being delivered. I want to see that. But I got some work to do. And I pray that God gives me no rest until I lay it all down, until my thoughts are changed, my words are changed, my heart is changed. Because I won't get beyond this point if I don't lay it all on the altar. 
Anybody have the, the Passion Translation with them? I, I forgot mine. Um, there was a scripture, I just didn't even think about it. It was Psalm 5, verse 3, I think. But the whole point was to lay, our, lay every part of our life on the altar until God's fire lit us up, I'm paraphrasing, and removed everything that is not of him. But we have to be willing. We have to be willing to lay it all down. We have to be willing to have no rights whatsoever and look to the Lord of love to be that love flowing through us. Just like the testimony of this young man. You know, his words were just falling on the ground until he called out to God to fill him with his love so that he could pray, pray for this absolute stranger, not knowing who he was, not knowing what his belief system was, nothing about him, not caring, just wanting the love of God to heal him. I want to see the love of God heal people. I want to see the love of God set the prisoners free. And if it means that I got to give up every right that I have, let it be, Lord. Let it be. Let it be. He never gives up on us. He will give us an infinite number of messages on his love until we're willing to lay it all down, change our minds, change our words, change our heart, so that we will be known by our love. May we be known by our love. You bless those who cursed you. You love those who hated you. On the cross, you died for me so that I would bless those who curse you and curse me and love those who hate you and hate me. You said to love my enemies. O oh Lord, our prayer is to let each of us be the place you start. Give each of us a clean heart. What is forgiveness if we don't give it? Forgive us for measuring our mercy when we have received mercy like a flood. And the most wonderful, one of the most wonderful things about your love, O oh Lord, is that you never give up on us. Your love never fails. It never gives up. It never, what is it? It never runs out on me. Your love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. It never runs out on me. It never runs out on us. Just as you never gave up on Jonah, you never give up on us. One more message about love. Let it take root in our hearts, O oh God. Let us not be the same people going out the door that we were coming in the door. Let your love transform us. Burn away all the chaff in our lives, O oh God. 
Burn away what is not of you. Make us people. Make us people of your love. Let us be known by your love. Yeshua said in the book of John that they will know us by, their lo- by our love for one another. But also, that love will point people to him. And that's what we want, Lord. We want you to receive the full reward. The full reward for which you died. The full measure of souls, O oh God, for which you died. We want to see that, Lord. And we want to be part of it. Even if it's just one soul, Lord. Even if it is just one soul. We bless you, Lord. We thank you for your love for us. And we do thank you that your love never fails. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen.